Alright, here we go. Um, you're, there we go. <laughs> I was like, uh, am I having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> Weird, no, you got louder too. Okay, whatever. Here we go. Hey yo, I'm CK and you're listening to Practice. I'm your functional systems integrator, and this is my podcast where practice is not just the theme of the show, but the whole purpose behind it. I'm using this platform to practice podcasting, as well as speaking in general, while espousing half-thoughts and providing unsolicited advice. As always, I'm fortunate to be joined by my practice partner and partner in life, Pam. Hey, that's me. Pam is also my pattern awareness manager, and every Sunday we reflect on the past week. So, every Sunday we reflect on the past week and my progress with this practice, along with other lifestyle practices, as well as theories and ideas behind the virtues of practice itself. We're doing this on the fly, so don't hold me responsible for what I say here. Make sure to check out my show notes where I'll provide some fact-checking, self-psychoanalysis, and commentary on things I could have done better. You may find this and more information about this project at forcesofequal.com practice. Today we're recording on Sunday, August 30th of 2020. This is our 27th practice session. And we will start off with a quote. And this comes from Stoicism again. And actually I have two quotes today. They're both from Stoic philosopher Epictetus, who is one of the big three Stoics that I mentioned last week. If you remember from last week, I quoted Seneca. Today is Epictetus, and the third big philosopher is Marcus Aurelius. So what I remember about Epictetus that's interesting is that he was a slave, and he came across Stoicism as a slave and under the control of his owner, and so it's really interesting to have this big stoic philosopher come out of that scenario it's interesting to me and so his a lot of his principles are based around things that you can control so as a slave obviously there's a lot of things that he can control So he focused a lot on those things that he can. And this reminds me of the serenity prayer from Alcoholics Anonymous, Mm -hmm. which I, I attended a few AA meetings because I was having some issues with self-medicating and stuff like that a few years ago when I was under a lot of anxiety and maybe some low level of depression and really couldn't figure out what was going on. I've had issues with alcohol since college, I would say. And prior to college, I didn't drink at all. So I kind of went crazy in college. And that's when issues, my issues with alcohol began. But I don't think I'm an alcoholic, but along the same lines, I see everything on a spectrum. So I do notice some alcoholic tendencies that I have. And so 
I attended AA meetings, one, because they were required because I got a DUI, <laughs> but two, a lot of people that are required to attend AA for DUIs just cheat. They just forge the signature themselves and turn right. that, oh yeah, no, no one, like, I mean, a, a small percentage from what I've observed actually attend these AA meetings. But huh. yeah, I went to every single one that I was required to. And I actually found a lot of benefit from it. And so, the in paraphrasing the serenity prayer, um, first of all, I'm not religious in that sense. But in the prayer, the words in, in the prayer have a lot of meaning. So, in par paraphrasing that, it says something like, uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can. And so this goes hand in hand with Epictetus and his principle of just focusing on what's in your control. And then another principle of his is that you want to basically walk the talk and set an example and just it act basically actions speak louder than words instead of just saying things do them or instead of just even instead of just philosophizing you know do the things that are virtuous and on that same note a uh, third principle of his is basically just don't fall into bad habits and know what your values and your virtues are and kind of use that as what i would refer to as like your north star use that to guide the direction that you're going into. So, with all that said, the quotes that I have for this week, the first one is, man is not worried by real problems so much as by his imagined anxieties about real problems. And I should have asked you, Pam, if you could re recall or recite that off the top of your head because we use that quote for a lot of our microphone microphone testing that we've done. Is that the same quote? <laughs> yeah. Man is not worried about real problems so much as by his imagined anxieties about real problems. That's not the quote that we've been using. Oh, is it not? <laughs> the quote that we've been using is, he who indulges in imaginary fears earns himself real fears. Oh, you're so right. Okay. I know. <laughs> nice. Nice work. So. The, and that's actually from Seneca. So, yeah, my mistake. I thought I had Epictetus down here, but that was Seneca. Maybe we'll touch upon that in a future episode. I mean, they're very similar quotes. It, the essence is the same. Yeah, exactly. So, again, that was, man is not worried by real problems so much as by his imagined anxieties about real problems. And the second quote I have for today is, if you want to improve... Be content to be thought foolish and stupid. Mm. So, these quotes have a lot of meaning to me, especially this week. I couldn't settle on one because I've been going through a lot of different thoughts and creative processes over the past week. And my creative ideation is going off the charts again. And I think this may be a factor of... One, I began journaling about a week or so ago, and this is journaling pen to paper, which I think I probably touched on here and there, 
that I couldn't get into the actual practice of writing pen to paper, even though I've tried a couple of times and I under understand the benefits and the science behind it. But I finally got into it about a week and a half ago and I've been doing it every day and it's been easy and awesome. And I kind of had been finding myself wanting to do it more and more and just not having the time or not being able to find the time to do it more. So you're doing it quite a bit. <laughs> I walk past the office and I see you laying in there looking like a teenager writing in your diary. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so fun and I'm getting so much stuff out and mm. it's just another step, another iteration off of this self-reflection process that I've been focusing on since starting this practice. And so it's been great and I've been loving it. And I think that's been helping me. And on that note, I've been able to clear off my whiteboard and start regenerating the mind mapping that I had on there before. And that kind of goes back to the concept of petamorphosis where I just kept building up and building up the mind map and the whiteboard was just getting filled up and it was getting pretty crazy. And there were lines going all over the place and it was useful for me to refer to, but it had gotten to the point where it became too specific, I guess, with the stuff that I ended up writing down towards the end of the mapping process. And then those things towards the end didn't necessarily line up perfectly with what I started out with. And so I had to go pedomorphic with it and draw back and go back to a more juvenile state per se and get back to the foundation of what I started out with and then build back the specifics that I ended up on that I felt comfortable with with that notion and just kind of kind of basically starting over, not necessarily from a blank slate, but with the foundation and the additional information that I learned, but kind of reorganizing it in a more efficient and effective format, if that makes sense. It does. It's editing. Yeah. I mean, I mean our, our, well, our super fan, Daryl, has his first fiction novel coming out in October. And so I've been watching him going through the editing process on that book and uh, learning about how, you know, the editor came back and was like, you should just chop out these four chapters, like an entire mm. section of the book wow. to, to make it flow better and make it simpler. Mm -hmm. And so that, and like move this chapter over here and like you're, you're like cutting things out and getting back to the basics of the of the um, core right. of what you're trying to do and like getting rid of the fluff. Right. So it's an editing process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess that's the very much more simple way of <laughs> putting pedamorphosis. <laughs> but I like to complicate things as yes, you, do. you should know by now. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, I'm kind of struggling a little bit to figure out what to talk about this week because I have so many things running through my mind. So I'm just kind of going to try to go with the flow and see what pops up. But before we get into things, let's kind of reflect on our week and 
catch up with ourselves and maybe our moods and our physical feelings. Uh, <laughs> where'd my brain the source go? <laughs> so uh, I'll come right out and get started and say that I am in an awesome mood now because of how productive my week was and everything is starting to come together and all the work and all the troubleshooting that I was doing mm -hmm. is all coming together and paying off. And so it's been fun for all that to begin happening now. And I feel like it's just going to continue happening. And on another note, I also reinstituted my summer napping schedule. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got off it because I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was kind of looking back at my patterns of my sleeping, my sleeping patterns from before. And I am very conscious of my sleeping patterns because I've had a lot of issues with sleep and insomnia. I think I've mentioned that before. But now I'm I'm sleeping so well and my cycles seem to be lined up. And I mean, I have some instances where I fall out, but I can fall right back in and I have no problem with that. And now I'm finally realizing that it's been about two years now, I think, since I finally got everything back on track and I went through some treatment processes and a lot of mindfulness and a lot of implementing my own practices to solve my issues with sleep. And so I've always, since then, I've kind of been, I guess, anxious somewhat still about sleeping well because I know how important it is. Nervous about it. I get nervous about it when you sleep in later than you normally do now. I'm like, oh my God, you know, did you not sleep well? Right. Is this the start of a problem? Right. But now I'm getting comfortable with the fact that it's not really that much of a problem for me anymore. And if I don't sleep well one night, I'll get right back in. And my patterns and cycles have developed to the point where I'm in the sweet spot of that sleeping momentum wave, per se. <laughs> so I don't have as much variance with my sleep and I'm not hitting those peaks and valleys as much. I've moved them closer together and the wave is not as volatile and I'm just riding the flow of the momentum. So that and my productivity with everything else is just coming together and everything just seems awesome. And there's actually another factor that just popped in my mind that Pam, you actually kind of asked me about last week and I didn't think of it. I couldn't come up with it, but it's, um, if you can remind me in a bit or try to remember, I'll put a note here real quick and I'll try to remember it to mention it in a bit. But before we get into that, Pam, let's catch up with you. How has your week been going? <laughs> um, it was good to stay in line with the productivity theme. Um, Daryl, our super fan that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. introduced me to a project management software called ClickUp. Yeah. And it is amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm getting my entire life organized in there. And, you know, I have tried 
Trello and Rike and Asana and Notion and like like I've tried so many different tools and this one just is easy and it makes sense and it has everything. So we're getting all of the podcast production organized in there, um, all of my regular work tasks, like just organizing everything in my life in ClickUp. And it's really, really exciting. We had a great team meeting this weekend. So mm-hmm. we're getting all of that um, lined up. So I'm really excited for what we can do in Q4 with yeah. um, being aligned there. Yeah, definitely. Um, other than that, um, I went out for my run this morning and yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> well, I'm still recovering from my hip flexor issue. So I just went for a mile. I'm not doing a lot of mileage right now. So I just went for a mile mm-hmm. and, um, felt pretty good. Didn't have any pain or anything during the first half. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go for time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to beat my fastest time and mm-hmm. see if I can do that. And so 8:54 was the fastest time mm-hmm. that I was trying to beat. And I killed it in the second half, and I finished at 8.53. No way. So, I beat the the fastest time that I was trying to beat, right? Only by one second, but I beat it. Yeah. And I was really excited. And then I got back, and I went to record my run and Uh-oh. discovered that my fastest time was actually 8.52. <laughs> so... <laughs> my uh, My takeaway for you here is that if you are um, shooting for a goal... Make sure that the goal that you're shooting for is actually what you want, because that is what you're going to get. And if you aren't shooting for the thing that you actually want, you're going to be disappointed with the results. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) But that's the M in smart goal planning, right? Measurable? Oh, I mean, it was measurable. I just had the wrong measurement. True, true. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, (laughs) that's funny, but... (laughs) I mean, uh, one factor that you forgot to mention is that you did it without me. So That's true. I did not have a pace car. Yeah. You almost hit your personal best on your and own. I could have. Yeah, I could have yeah. shaved off two more seconds. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's interesting, though. Uh, that may go back to one of the quotes for this week where... Man is not worried by real problems so much as by his imagined anxieties about real problems. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not worried by it. it it's <laughs> definitely an imagined problem. Yeah. <laughs> it was more funny. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, okay, so let's see. Where should we go from here? Should Okay, let's try to get back to what I was talking about before where last week Pam asked me what was it? We were talking about how I was more able to be in the present moment and create more space in the moment. And we were talking about this in regard to how much fun we had with our photo shoot last week. Mm-hmm. And I really couldn't come up with this at the time. First of all, because it's kind of new and I'm still going through the process. But Last week, I just said that, you know, it's, uh, I'm not sure. It's just kind of how I've been growing into these mindfulness processes and practices. And maybe it's just kind of happening. Uh, I guess I kind of took a Taoistic stance in that respect. But then I remembered that I began going more into this mindfulness practice per se and this is through sam harris's waking up 
app. So I've been using Sam Harris's waking up meditations for the past about two years, I think between a year and a half and two years. And waking up has been the most beneficial mindfulness practice for me so far. And I've been meditating and practicing mindfulness pretty much every single day since about 2012. So about eight or so years now. And I just started with waking up about two years ago. And it's been so profound. It's been by far the best practice for me in terms of getting my head around the practice and where I'm supposed to go with it, basically. And Sam Harris has a way with words and metaphors that makes it a lot easier for me to understand where I'm supposed to be going. Mm -hmm. So with waking up, I was making big strides with my mindfulness. And through the app, Sam's been bringing on a lot of other mindfulness and meditation practitioners. And he's doing interviews with them. And with some of them, he has other lessons and courses for different methodologies. And the one that I've been trying out for the past week and a half is called, oh shoot, I forget the name of it. I think it's called The Headless Way. And it's by Richard Lang, who uses the principles from Douglas Harding. And I haven't really looked into this stuff on its own very deeply. So I'm, I don't know too much about it. I've just been going through the practices and they're kind of presented more like experiments. So it's not necessarily, oh, can you hear that? What is that? I don't know. Something just made a noise. I think it's my phone. Okay. Anyway, I don't know what's going on here right now. But yeah, my phone just said our address. I don't know. What? Yeah, let me check. Uh, <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah, Siri turned on somehow. <laughs> and there's no mention of it. So I don't know what happened. Okay. <laughs> That's weird. I know. Anyway. <laughs> get back to your mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs> get, get present. <laughs> So, with the headless way, the general principle is that you're meditating on having no head. Mm -hmm. So, it's an open eye. Uh, the practices that I'm going through are more of an open eye meditation or mindfulness. And when you're looking out, the general idea is that you don't see yourself and you can't look at yourself and when you try to look at where you're looking out of or kind of try to look back there's nothing there you can't see anything like you mm -hmm. can't see your own head and it's building upon that principle and then realizing that the essence of you is 
basically just space and your you are space for everything that is that you're observing so what you see is what you are space for and i'm um, it's uh, it's kind of hard to put this into words and Sam Harris and Douglas Harding and Richard Lang, they do a much better job. And I'm just doing this, I'm just kind of saying what's on my mind and doing this on the fly. But th- I mean, does that kind of make sense, Pam? Do you, am I? Yeah. Is it that through perception, you are a container for everything that you're experiencing? Yeah. And it's hard to put actual words to this practice or mindset because in the end it's all about this duality that I've been trying to articulate before where you know obviously there's you and but at the same time you're connected to everything and everything's connected and you're not only you, but your space for everything else. And all this is connected. It's all one. So you're, it, it's, it relates to holons and complex systems where with holons, you are a system as well as part of a system. And while you can categorize the two things, it's also part of the same thing. So it's that duality. So it's, I, I think a lot of this is understanding the oneness of duality, which <laughs> makes no sense. It's paradoxical, but that's, I mean, that's kind of how I feel like it is. I, that's kind of the best way I can explain it right now. It's the oneness of duality. So, uh, can you, does that make sense? Can you think of any better explanation? Um, uh, I'm not sure. My, my brain wasn't really looking for explanations. Yeah. I was laughing because... Uh, if if I remember correctly, today Mercury is squaring Neptune, and Mercury is the uh, the planet of communication and thought and intellect, and Neptune hmm. is um, oneness and the like collective. Hmm. So it's funny that you are like trying to put words to the idea yeah. of oneness huh. today. That's interesting. So. Yeah, that was really funny. Um, but I think the idea is that while there's duality in everything, there's also collective and mm-hmm. oneness in everything. So even though there's duality, they exist together. They literally can't exist without each other. Yeah, exactly. So the duality is the oneness. Right. Yeah, I like how you put that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And so... I guess along those same lines, I can relate this back to one of the quotes for today, which says, if you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid. And I've been getting a lot more comfortable with this notion lately, 
because I've been pretty tied up with my own intelligence and intellectualism throughout my life. And the thing is, like, well, I guess the whole reason I started this podcast is to become better at articulating my thoughts because I don't want to be misunderstood. But now I'm just more comfortable with going with the flow and saying what's on my mind. And I think this whole practice, it's basically a exposure therapy that I, self-exposure therapy that I instituted. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's a co- uh, subset of cognitive behavioral therapy. And that whole premise is kind of stoic in itself. You know, you overcome your fears by putting yourself out there and being in the moment instead of our first quote, man is not worried by real problems so much as by his imagined anxieties about real problems. So before where I was imagining how I'm coming off and how I may be misunderstood, now I'm not worried about that as much. I'm not worried about what I think is going to happen. I'm just more focused on what's happening. And so I'm becoming a lot more comfortable with saying what's on my mind. And I'm realizing that it's, for the most part, it's accurate. Like last week I was talking about how our emotions are built in to our primitive brain wiring. And I was talking about the limbic system and the paralimbic system and three different proposed categorizations of brain function. And I listened back and I'm like, holy cow, I actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and at the, at the moment while I was talking about it, I was a little more free than I would have been before in talking about it. But I still had a little hint of anxiety there. Like, is this right? Am I going in the right order? And like after, like right after I was talking about it, I was, I kind of had doubts about what I said and if what I said was right. Mm -hmm. But then listening back, it was pretty accurate. So it's that imagined a perception that you don't want to fall privy to or fall victim of or I, I don't know what uh, my thesaurus brain thesaurus isn't working right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean there's a spectrum like reality is on the spectrum of imagination so on one side is imagination and on the other side is reality but all the way up to reality, there's still some imagination as part of it. And also, what is reality? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's all imagination, really. Yeah, a reality is like a collective imagination, right? basically. So, yeah, there's a lot there that you can work with. But there's uh, this notion of being in the present moment and just being, which falls in line with the Taoism philosophy. And so, on that note, I'm finding like uh, yin and yang between Taoism and Stoicism, with Taoism being more of being with the flow or going with the flow and being in the moment and 
being in the moment with the flow and stoicism being more logical and having that uh having the reasoning in there and so yeah it all goes back to the quote if you want to improve be content to be thought foolish and stupid and so i like i the whole like it, this even goes back to my relationship with my own intelligence like the thing is i've never thought that i was I mean, I know that I have intelligence and I don't like, I still don't like talking about it, but there's, okay, so fact, I am a member of Mensa, so obviously there's a level of intelligence there that I have to exhibit, but I don't feel like I earn that intelligence or there's an external locus of control that I have in terms of this inhi inhibiting this intelligence. That's one of your things. You only appreciate things that you have to work really hard for. Yeah. And it, so it's, you didn't work for it. So you feel like it isn't as good as it actually is. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like I hadn't, ha I haven't worked to become smarter or more knowledgeable, but there's this feeling that I feel like everybody should be at this certain level of intelligence. But it also comes easily to you. You, yeah. you love learning new topics. You are able to retain information. You learn things easily. So that comes easy to you. Even though you do put in a lot of time, you're not struggling yeah. to earn the intelligence. Right. And But the thing is, there's a lot of different definitions of intelligence, mm -hmm. and uh, even in science, there's a lot of ways that scientists are slicing intelligence into different categories. For example, there's Gardner's theory of intelligence, I believe, where it's split up into like eight or nine different categories of intelligence, like logical intelligence, mathematical intelligence, musical intelligence, emotional intelligence. Uh, I'm not sure if those are the actual categories, but just to give you the idea. And then there's the idea of G, which stands for general intelligence. And so there's a lot of different theories floating around. But what I'm starting to become more comfortable with is intelligence in the frame of perspective. So I look at perspective as intelligence. And when looking at it that way, I'm more comfortable in in my my intelligence because I'm looking at it as perspective. So I'm comfortable in saying or even believing in myself in having a broad perspective of things and even trying to increase my perspective and level of awareness. So in terms of being thought of as foolish and stupid, I like that's fine with me now. And because it increases my perspective and I get to learn. And so I guess I'm just more comfortable. That's making me more comfortable in saying what's on my mind 
and not necessarily getting so anxious about being right or accurate or being misunderstood. So yeah, that's what I have to say about that. I was thinking about something very similar to that, not knowing that you were going to use that quote today, but I was journaling this morning and I was thinking about how the way we interact has changed over the last few years. And, you know, we're both highly intelligent, <laughs> um, you know, high performers. And I would say that for a number of years in our relationship, our communication wasn't very good because we were both like, we didn't want to say the wrong thing or come across in a certain way or, um, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of vulnerability and a lot of collaboration in mm -hmm. our communication. And I know for me, I, I never wanted to be wrong mm -hmm. or, you know, a number of things I didn't want to be, but through this practice of accepting that, you, you know, you are going to look foolish sometimes and that not only is that okay, but it's good and accepting your own, um, you know, foolishness, mm -hmm. you allow the people around you to become comfortable with their own foolishness. Right. And you offer that space for that exactly. to happen. And exactly. That even, Without judgment. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That, that goes back to the headless way for me. So now I'm able to think of that, like having no head, like when I, in, in the present, uh, like for example, when we go on our walks multiple times a day, I'm, I, I can bring up that notion of having no head and immediately the world just kind of comes into view and I see, diff like, I see everything more clearly and more vibrantly. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of a metaphor for everything else that that could relate to, like in conversation or any interaction. Like once I create that space, I just see more of everything. My perspective widens. And along that same line, when we go on those walks, I know that if I share something with you where I'm like, I'm having this problem, or I went through this this situation today, you are more likely to respond and say, I'm also having a problem hmm. or I went through that issue. Mm -hmm. So by opening up and, and showing you, I'm, I'm dealing with this thing that isn't perfect or I did this dumb thing today or this happened, you then have the space and the freedom to come back to me and say, I also had that happen or um, or I'm going through the same kind of thing. So it allows both of us um, better communication and better connection through having that that space to, you know, to look foolish or to right. be, you know, vulnerable. potentially be judged, but know that you won't be. Right, right. Yeah, being vulnerable. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this was a great discussion this week. And so we're, we've been going a little longer than usual. So we'll start closing up here. Pam, did you have anything else that you could think of that you want to end? No, I think that's it. You already got some of your astrology in, so. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. So we'll just leave it there for this week. And I hope you guys are enjoying this little adjusted format. I'm having fun with it. And I think we're just going to keep getting better and better with the discussion, the back and forth discussion. And I'm liking it. I'm having fun and enjoying it. So we'll leave it there for this week. And before we leave off real quick, Pam, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter where I'm at Pamela underscore Lund. And if you do, say hi. <laughs> and you might be able to find me on Twitter at CK Disco. And 
Yeah, thanks for joining us again this week. And Pam, thank you for joining me again, of course, as always. <laughs> and I hope you come back and join us next week and keep on practicing. Toodaloo!